And here in John 6, verses 1 through 15. Now here's another one of the, the miracles of Jesus. Last week we looked at the healing of the, the invalid, the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. And this week we're going to be looking at the feeding of the 5,000. Now Jesus did a lot of miracles, right? You know, throughout his ministry, but only seven of them are recorded in the book of John. And, and you know, we, we know that he did a lot more. But in chapter 5, verse 36, right, the chapter right before this, we get a picture of why Jesus did miracles. You guys know why Jesus did miracles? You guys know anyone know why? You get a picture of why he did miracles. Did he do miracles so that he could be famous? Did he do miracles, like, to freak people out? You know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a a crystal. He's that, like, weird-looking guy, Las Vegas. He would, like, do, like, magic tricks, and people would be like, ah, you know, my... Like their their minds would get all blown and you know they you know they go out. Um, is that why Jesus did miracles? Did he do miracles to get like the most amount, like the biggest audience, the biggest crowd to gather before him so that he you know he could have um, you know that kind of influence in the world? And that's not the answer. And in verse 36 of chapter five, we get a, a, a glimpse of why Jesus did these signs and wonders. And it says. But the testimony that I get, that I have is greater than that of John. Now he's talking about John the Baptist. Like John the Baptist was the man. Back in his, uh, you know, Jerusalem and throughout the surrounding areas, everybody knew John the Baptist, right? He was like, he really was the man. Everybody saw him, respected him. Um, he had a huge number of followings. But Jesus says that for the works that I, that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing bear witness about me. That the Father has sent me, and the Father who sent me has himself borne witness about me. And so John, he re- reiterates this later at the end of the, end of the, uh, the book, um, chapter 20, verse 30. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so we know that the reason why Jesus he did miracles was to show that Jesus, that he was the son of God, that he was sent by the father. Um, and that if whoever called on him eventually, ultimately, whoever would believe in him would be saved. I love Mina and she's a very intelligent person. right? But sometimes she'll suggest things that are just impossible. She'll, she'll, she'll ask me something, and I'll, I have to add, tell her, like, you know, that's impossible, right? And now, as I was writing this sermon, I tried to think of a moment when this happened, like, an example of this. I couldn't for the life of me, but it's happened many times, right? You have to admit, it's happened many times. But I was trying to think. I was at the cafe. I was like, ah, oh, when was the time when she told me to say something, and it was impossible? I couldn't think of it. I guess God doesn't want me to embarrass my wife. But, like, she would ask certain questions, and I'd be like, you know, like, logically in my mind, I was like, that's impossible, right? And that's basically the situation here. And the heart of the lesson in this miracle is the impossibility of it all. And as people, we live every day with the knowledge that some things are just impossible. There's the childish things that are impossible to us, like... Like, we can't fly, literally, like, fly like Superman without a plane or any kind of contraption. That's impossible for us, right? We can't run faster than a speeding car, right? No matter how fast you are, right? You can be Usain, what's his name, Usain Bolt, 
a dude is like designed to run fast, right? But he can't beat a car, right? Even like a like a beat up old car. At the end of the, like the day, the the car will beat him eventually, right? And he can't jump over a building and a symbol and go bound. These are impossible things, but things don't have to be super for them to be impossible. As a matter of fact, there are things in your life that you have deemed impossible that might not seem like an impossibility to somebody else. In my mind, right, you know, getting going back to school and getting my degree was was and still is a little bit of an impossibility in my mind. I still got to pass the classes, right? In my mind, I was like, in my 44-year-old old man fart mind, right? Like, how am I going to do this, right? I, in my mind, it was always an impossibility, right? Me going back to America still seems like an impossibility for me. And that's my first point today regarding this miracle, is that God wants us to embrace the impossible. When it comes to impossible things for me, I tend to put them away. I put them away. I don't, I don't you know, we don't just naturally... Just, just dwell on impossible things, right? Oh, that's impossible. Don't dwell on that, right? That's impossible. Just don't think about that, right? When it comes to things that seem impossible, we naturally put it in the back burner. We put it in the trunk, you know? Like, we kind of just put it away. But here's the thing about God. He wants us to embrace the impossible. Because God's plan for you isn't for you to do what's possible for you. God, you can do what's possible for you without God's help. But what God wants for you is for you to do what's possible for you with His help and with His power and with His within His will. And a lot of times, sometimes His will 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 come off to you like an impossibility. God, God might put a will. He might put something in your life, and you just tell God, like that's impossible, God. Now, I'm not telling you to go after just anything out there. That seems like an impossibility. Because that would be dumb, right? It's impossible for me to buy a Bentley. Right? $150,000 car. I'm not going to try to go and buy a Bentley just because it's impossible. Right? The Bible says, Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Many people will get this verse twisted. They think that if they have a desire in their heart, right, that God is going to answer it. Yesterday, we did church cleaning here, me and AJ, and then as we, there was a motorcycle parked downstairs. It's a BMW SI 1000, right? It's like almost $20,000. It's fast. And I remember when I saw it and, and AJ saw it, saw me covet it, right? I saw it and it was a desire in my heart. I was like, man, I would love to have that motorcycle, right? Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, just because I desire it, that's because I really, really, really desire it really hard in my heart that God's going to give it to me, right? That's how kids think. Right? We told Ethan and Ezra that he, they can't buy a, a, a toy until Ezra's birthday in June, right? Because they've been getting all these little tiny toys and they just don't take care of it, you know? And so we told them, you guys can't buy a toy until, you know, June, uh, June 16th, which is Ezra's birthday, or 14th, sorry. And then, all of a sudden, they, they saw this movie called Abominable. It's about the abominable snowman and yetis. And they fell in love with yetis. I don't know why. Right? Right? They just fell in love with big, white, like, monster-looking things. And then, Ethan, on his little iPad, he would use the voice control, and he would say, 
Everest. The, the Yeti's name is Everest. He was like, Everest, like abominable. And then he would have it write it out. And he found the actual toy online. And he wants it so badly, right? He wants it so badly. He saw it and he goes, oh, I want this so bad. And the other day we were like at this toy store and he kept talking about it over and over. It was such a desire in his heart. You could tell. It's just like thumping in his heart, right? But he thinks if he desires it hard enough, he's just going to get it, right? That's how we think with God sometimes, right? We think, oh, if I desire this hard enough, if I desire this enough, God's going to give it to me. You see, the passage that says that he's going to give you the desires of your heart, it starts with delight yourself in the Lord. That's the key, because when you truly delight yourself in the Lord, when you truly desire, like when you delight, when he really becomes the delight of our lives, the desires of our heart starts to come in line with the desires of his heart. And when that happens, and when that starts to line up, and that's when God starts to, to give you the desires of your heart. And when we desire, when we delight ourselves in the Lord, truly, like, He becomes the desire of our heart. You know, not money, not cars, not motorcycles, or a nice home, or relationship, or marriage. When He becomes the the delight of your heart, when when what delights, truly delights your heart is God and His presence, you know, He will put desires in your heart that are now the desires of God's heart. And sometimes those desires are going to seem like it's impossible. This is going to seem like an impossibility. As you delight and commune with God, we worship Him, we seek Him, seek His presence. And He, you know, and we seek His will for our life. Sometimes He's going to put something in your heart. There's going to be a desire in your heart, and it's going to be an impossibility. It's going to seem like, oh, that's impossible, God. I don't, I'm pretty sure that's not from you. And we take that desire, and a lot of times in our lack of faith, we cram it you know, into that closet of our heart. My heart's not back here, it's right here. We cram it into the closet of our heart, into that part of our heart that we don't check every day. You know, it's that we kind of store it away. Because it's too much for us to dwell on it. Because in the natural, it looks too difficult. It's too great. It's too good. It's too amazing to fathom. And so we just kind of take it and then we put it away and then we cram it into that area of our heart. But God wants us to embrace the impossible. Nina, can you turn off the AC? I think I did Chesa because it's a little humid. I think it's getting cold in here. God wants us to embrace the impossible because walking with God isn't about doing what we can do in the natural, but we can do it's all about what we can do with help of God and God's power and His power at work within us. And I want to ask you today, what are the impossible things that you've crammed into that closet of your heart? I mentioned that, you know, me going back to America is one of those things. People tell me all the time, right? Josh will tell me, you're going to go back to America. And I look at him and I'm like, oh yeah, I will. But in my heart, I'm like, ah, I don't think so, right? Rodney tells me all the time. Rodney would be like, "You're gonna, no, it's just gonna, it's just a matter of time." You know, he does it in a thick, you know, Georgian. It's just a matter of time. I forget what he talks. But it, it, that's how people think. Mina, you know, Mina has so much faith. It's like, oh, it's just, you know, if God, it's, if it's God's will, it's gonna happen. But for me, it's very hard for me to believe, right? It, it, in my heart, it seems like such an impossibility for me. And sometimes I think about it, and I get all excited. 
seeing my family and my friends, eating tacos and burritos, right? Visiting my old neighborhood, going on, going to an NFL game with Mina's dad. That's like one of my dreams, right? And he has free tickets, right? Well, not free, but you know, he has company tickets. I have this dream of preaching in America somewhere, right? These are things that God has placed in my heart, and I, it's some church that will invite me. And for to me. It, it becomes like that scene in Inception. Who remembers Inception, that movie? Remember that Inception where he does a thong and then he looks and he, does this, he has his two kids playing in the playground in the distance and then you can't tell if it's real or if it's fake or like if it's, if it's real life or if it's like some, it's all in his mind, right? That's kind of how it feels for me sometimes. I, I have this feeling like, oh, you know, if I, went, if I was able to visit America, it would be amazing. But then I always end up taking that and then just like, cramming it into the closet of my heart. Because for me, dwelling on it, it just seems too hard. But God wants us to embrace the impossible. He wants us to embrace the things that are impossible for us, but that can be possible with Him. What are the impossible things that God has placed in your heart? It's impossible for a reason, because you're not meant to do it alone. You're not meant to do it on your own. You know, I keep coming back to me going to school, and for really, for me, for a while, it seemed like an impossibility for me. And in my mind, doing four years of undergrad again, like, I just, I like, I, my brain would just, like, like, just melt, right? Like, taking calculus, right? The only reason I passed calculus is because our professor was a crazy man. And at the end, right, everybody complained. It's like, dude, the dude is, like, crazy. He's insane. And then they let him go, and they all gave us A's. <laughs> but when I started to really believe that it might actually be a possibility, God started to open doors. Right? And that's what happens is when we start to, when we step out in faith, and when our heart starts to kind of come in line with God's will, right? Like, hey, I think this is if God is there with me, I can do this. He starts to open doors, and I realize I'm not doing this on my own strength or on my own power. I'm doing this with God. He's with me in this. And he wants us to embrace the impossible because if he placed it in your heart, his grace is there for you to achieve it. It does not mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that you won't mess up, you won't fail at times. But if he placed the desire in your heart, he will give you the grace and the strength to follow through and endeavor. Some of you, it might be in the area of relationship. Maybe... God placed a desire for you to reconcile with someone. And in your heart, it's impossible. I'm going through something like this as well. There's certain things that like God would just kind of come and speak to me. Like, I want you to reconcile. And my heart's like, no, right? Maybe it's for you to forgive someone. God wants you to forgive, but in your heart, you'd rather die. I would rather die than forgive you, right? There's people that are out there like that, right? There's people out there like Christians. I'm like, forgive Jesus. Forgive this man. And you'd be like, I'd rather die, you know? I'm not going to forgive that dude, right? Because in our hearts, sometimes it's, it's such an impossibility for us. We feel like we don't have the capacity to do it, right? Like, I could forgive people all the time. So, you know, it is possible, right? When somebody, like, you know, does something mean, I'd be like, I'll forgive you, right? So it's a possibility for us to forgive. But to some people, certain people, when some things happen, it becomes an impossibility. Like, I can't forgive her. Do you know what she did to me? 
do you know what she said? Do you know what he did? Do you know what he said? And then all of a sudden it becomes this impossible thing. And then, but the word of God says we must forgive, right? So we have to embrace the impossible. Right? We have to embrace it. If God placed the desire in your heart, we have to embrace it. And it leads me to my second point, and is we have to surrender it to God. We have to surrender it to God. The main character of this of this, you know, miracle is not the disciples. It's not the, you know, the many thousands of people that got fed. It's, it's not really actually even Jesus. Right? We know that Jesus is the main character of the Bible, but the focus that Jesus wants to make is not those people. It's actually the little boy. You know, he wants us, what God wants us to focus on is this little boy. A lot of times we miss out. We look at the thousands of people that got here, uh, that got that fed. 20,000, like 5,000 people got fed. All of these 12 baskets of food was left over. That, you know, that, but then the focus actually is, is this little boy. The Bible says that this little boy came up with five barley loaves of bread and two fish. And it says that they were barley loaves, right? Barley was what they fed the pigs. It was like peasant, really, really poor people food. So this, this is a poor kid who is most likely carrying with him all of the food that he had in the world. Right? He wasn't some wealthy, you know, son of a wealthy family where the maid packed him this lunch. Like, oh, here's a little lunch. You know, I, I packed some bread and fish for you to eat. No. You know, as you go and, and learn from Jesus, no, he was a poor, maybe even an orphan, following Jesus to see what he was all about. And he, and, and he was probably, was whatever he was carrying was probably all of the food that he had in the world. And yet he surrenders it over to Jesus, his precious food. He doesn't know what's going to happen with, to it. He's probably hungry, but he gives it to Jesus to do his will. He surrenders to Jesus' will. And the lesson here is that if we want God to do what he wants with us, we have to surrender what we have to God. You know, what are five barley loaves and two small fish? Most likely, like, you know, it's not like a big old mackerel. It's probably like little sardines. It's probably like just a tiny, two tiny fish that you could barely even, you know, salted fish. You know, they had the salted fish because they would go bad. It could have actually been like two merchies, basically, right? In the light of thousands of people gathered around Jesus, right? What are these little things? Sometimes what we have may seem so small and so insignificant. Sometimes the impossibility isn't because the obstacle is so unsurmountable. It's because it seems like we have so little to give. It's it's not impossible because whatever we want to do is so great and so big. Sometimes it seems impossible because what we have seems so little. Have you ever felt like that? Like, like, it's not, like, it, 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 whatever you're endeavoring to do is not even that big. And yet, we, it feels like such an impossibility for us. Because we, it feels like what we have, our capacity seems so little. It seems so small and so insignificant. What do I have to offer? What can I do for God? I don't have any talents. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good looking enough, right? I'm all those things. But I'm preaching in front of you today. But whatever we have, no matter how insignificant it may seem, when we surrender it to God, and we allow God into the situation, we allow God to do what with it as he pleases, great things can happen. Amazing things can happen. But it requires surrender. 
take what you have and you surrender it to God and you take the steps of faith. You know, God can take what you can give him and do awesome, wondrous things with you and through you. You can do miracles in your life. And I talked about this many times. You know, Miracles don't have to be a limb growing out or like the blind seeing. God does that, right, still to this day. But a miracle can be something that is very possible for the person next to you. But in you, it just seems like it's impossible. And God breaking into something like that may not seem like a miracle to some, but it can be a supernatural miracle to somebody else. And God wants to show us that he can do impossible things in us and through us, but it requires us to first embrace the impossible. We have to, we have to take it out of that closet. We have to start pushing it away, and we have to really embrace the impossible, and we surrender to him. We surrender to his will. We start taking steps of faith in God and say, God, I do this, and I'm surrendering to your will in the steps that I'm taking. And we give God what we have. We give him what we have to offer him. And then the third thing is that we give thanks. Verse 11 says, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. Okay, this is such an important posture for our hearts in the kingdom of heaven, for us to have a heart of thankfulness and thanksgiving, to be thankful in all circumstances. Do you know that being thankful in all circumstances is a supernatural thing? Because you can't do it unless you have the supernatural power to be behind it. We tap into the supernatural when we are thankful in all circumstances. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It surpasses our understanding because it's supernatural. To be thankful in whatever circumstances and situation you are in. This is a key to access and breaking into the spiritual power of God. You're like, God, this is, this seems impossible for me, but I know that you are with me. I know that you know, I surrender control over to you. I take these steps of faith, and I know that you're going to be with me, but I know that even if I fail, even if I fall on my face, I'm thankful that you are with me. I'm thankful that you are who you say you are. I'm thankful that, that you know, nothing can separate me from you. I'm thankful that you will never leave me or, or forsake me. And then from that place of thanksgiving, right, comes a supernatural grace for you to walk out the things that you need to walk out. You know, the, the Bible says a peace of God which surpasses all understanding. My understanding will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. And one of the most important aspects of walking with God is having a heart of thanksgiving. You can do awesome and amazing things for God, but if you don't have a heart of thanksgiving, you're doing it wrong. Now, you could be so talented. You could, you could preach like, you know, who's, I don't know, I forget. You could preach like, you know, Furtick, all loud and jacked. And, ah, da, da, da. If you don't have thanksgiving in your heart, you're doing it wrong, right? Your heart's not right. But if you have a heart of thanksgiving, whatever you give to God, no matter how little it is, can be great in his kingdom. You can do awesome things with it. It's like the widow, the widow's offering in Mark 12. I'll read it to you. 
verse 41, it says, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to him, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And we see how God sees the heart. He's looking to the posture of the heart. He's not looking at your abilities and what you can do for him. Your greatest talent and your greatest attributes is like baby gibberish to him. But the posture of how we see him and a heart of true thanksgiving is a heart that recognizes who he is and we give him thanks. A thankful heart is one that is surrendered to him, that is open to him. And God sees that and says, you know what, that's awesome in my kingdom. He, look at, he looks at a thankful heart and says, that's, that's, that's what my heart is, that's what my kingdom is about. So we embrace the impossible, we surrender to him, you know, our will. We start to, you know, walk out the will of God. We surrender to the will of God and then we give him thanks in all circumstances. And here's my last point. When we live like this, we live in abundance. We live in overflow. It says, verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. This doesn't mean that you're going to be rich. Right? doesn't mean that you're going to get everything that you want. But this means that God's grace and his strength and his power, his love and his, his mercy and his, his joy will overflow in your life. And that's how God wants us to live. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have it abundantly. God wants us to live in the overflow of who he is in our lives. In the overflow of his grace and his mercy, overflow of his great love for us, and in the overflow of the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us. You know, we will be people that's not about how much money or things we can have in this world, but we will be people that will be about how much Jesus we can have in this world, right? Because God wants us to live in abundance. And, is a, and his understanding of abundance is very different than that of the world in natural thinking. You can have everything you can ever imagine in this world and still be miserable. And we've, we've heard of people like that. Or you can have just the bare minimum in this world and have a joy that is overflowing every day. Because you are in the perfect will of God. I'm going to close today. And I want Tiffany to come up. And we're going to play some music. And I, I want us to take some time. And do an exercise. We're going to do squats. <laughs> we're going to do some exercise. Right? I want us 
to kind of get into the place of this prayer and, and get in tune with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in your life. And I want to give you guys an opportunity to kind of open up that little closet that you have in your heart, whatever it is. Open up that closet, whatever you find in there. I want to give you the opportunity to embrace the impossible. Whatever impossible thing, whatever impossible desire that God may have placed in your heart, I want you to take it out and I want you to start to examine it. What is it that God has placed in your heart? What impossible thing has he placed in your heart? be something that you've attempted and you failed out. It might be something that you've had some time in the past, but now it's, it's not there anymore and you feel like, oh, this is an impossibility for me. I've already failed at this. But whatever it is, I want you to take it out. I want you to start to dwell on it. I want you to start to examine it. I want you to look at it and see if it really is from the Lord. Is is it really from the Lord? Because if it truly is from the Lord, I want to tell you today that the grace for you, the, the grace for you to to turn that impossibility into a possibility is in you. God has placed it in you. The power and the strength, whatever it is, whatever impossible thing, desire that God has placed in your heart, it's from the Lord. He will give you the grace. It requires surrender. So right now, just surrender that to the Lord. Say, God, surrender this to you. Surrender this to you. I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't know. I don't know the steps. But God doesn't expect you to know the steps. He just wants you to surrender it to Him. Saying, God, you are in control. A lot of times, we get so caught up in what we think we should do, we, we stop to listen and to really look for what God, the steps that God wants us to take. But right now, I want you to surrender that over to the Lord. And in that place of surrender, give Him thanksgiving. Thank Him. Uh, he has given you everything, and He is your everything. for you guys. I'll pray for myself because I've 
I took, I, I took in things out of my heart that I know that God has placed in there. But, you know, I, I just stowed it away because for me it's been such a, it seems so impossible. But I'm embracing it. I'm surrendering it to the Lord. And I give him thanks. I thank God. No matter what happens, he is with me, that he is for me, that he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So, Lord, I pray for everyone here as they embrace their impossibility, as they embrace the impossible, I pray, God, that your spirit will come upon them and give them the grace to wield whatever it is that you've placed in their hands, to wield and to really hold fast to whatever dream, whatever desire, whatever obstacle that you've called them to overcome, Lord, we just pray right now that in the spirit that you will give them the grace and that you will give them the, the unction and the strength and the power and the ability to move forward, take steps of faith and to really receive and, and, and accept and have and break into that place of the spirit us to really access the spiritual power that is available for us in the Holy Spirit so that we can turn that impossibility into a possibility. We can turn that that thing that just seems so impossible and just, just it seems like it's dead. It seems like it's already done. It's a game over. Or may we in faith bring it back to life and may we in faith turn that impossibility to a possibility in our lives God we know that your grace is sufficient we know that your power and your strength can there's nothing that is impossible for you there truly is nothing that is impossible for you Lord so right now we just stand in faith and we declare that your grace and your perfect will will be over our lives God we thank you we love you we bless you. Let's all stand up and let's close with a benediction.